You're listening to the AfterBuzz TV Network. Now the largest new media platform on the web and your number one source for after-show entertainment. Very good, Keith. The AfterBuzz Studios in Los Angeles, California, presented by Maria Menounos and Bing.com, and streaming live thanks to Akamai Technologies, this is AfterBuzz TV's 666 Park Avenue After Show. We'll break down tonight's episode and get you all the latest news and gossip. If you'd like to buzz in on tonight's show, you can buzz us at 424-256-1729. That's 424 424- 256-1729. And now, another post-game wrap-up show for your favorite TV show. It's AfterBuzz TV's 666 Park Avenue After Show. What is up, everybody? Bing is for doing, and we are doing it here live in the AfterBuzz Television Studios. We are here again for 666 Park Avenue Episode number two, Murmurations. I'm Daryl okay. Kristen, and I have the lovely Michelle Gracie, as well as Sophia Stanley, JJ Jorgens. Well, guys, okay, so we saw episode two tonight. Obviously, there's a theme of birds for the episode. So let's get right into it. So we open up. Um, we see Jane having a conversation with Tony the Bellman, and we see them in a apartment room, and they're talking about moving some boxes. So they move the boxes. They're having this conversation back and forth. Tony leaves. Jane hears this screeching sound coming out of the walls. She goes to the wall and starts kind of messing with the wall and hears a few things, and all of a sudden, some birds come out. And they fly out. They fly out of the apartment room, and they go outside, and they fly up in the air. All these black... They seem to be blackbirds. And as the image kind of disappears on the screen, we see Gavin's face standing in an apartment room as well. So what did you guys think about that opening scene tonight? It was actually the second scene, because but what did you guys think about that scene? Jane, Jane, Jane. Why must you mess with anything? I don't know about you girls, but if I heard some screeching in the wall, I would probably move further and further away, not closer and closer towards. I completely agree, especially given the age of the building, the architecture. And let's not forget, we're in one of the biggest, most densely populated cities in the world. So my first thought would have been rodents. (laughs) You don't move towards rodents. You move away from them. I don't care how brave you are, which obviously we will see, you know, throughout the episode that Jane is very brave. She's a daredevil. But I agree screeching behind a wall, especially regarding a tenant who mysteriously is gone overnight. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Something, some part of her intuition, especially given what we knew from the the pilot episode as well as what we're going to see later on in the episode, she obviously has an intuition. So it it seems, something seemed off to me. Yeah. How much she keeps moving forward and doesn't kind of hold back a little bit. Yeah. Well, we saw also that the birds play such a significant part because, as, as we were just saying with that scene with Jane, and then Nona, the other character, uh, she says a little side note to Jane saying, stay away from the birds. And she says that also to the exterminator who comes in to investigate the birds in the building. So, obviously, I have a phobia against birds, but that's a whole other different subject. We need to stay away from these birds because they're clearly the, the mark of the devil in some form of a way. Yeah, I actually, because we saw some previews of what was to come, so we knew there was going to be a lot having to do with birds. So I looked up today just kind of like the, what the meaning is in, in the 666 world. <laughs> so oh, one thing I found that were like ravens, so like dark birds were messengers of death, and that they were also thought that they were able to smell the scent of death before somebody died. So that's why I like crows will like you know circle when they think somebody's going to die and dive in um they also said they were seen as a symbol of sin and especially the sins Mm. of gluttony Mm. stealing and false teaching and the last little tidbit they they said was that a croaking raven or a dark bird can be the speech of the deceased so they actually the soul of the dead speaking from the other world so i thought that was interesting when like nona said don't mess with the birds because they're part of the drake so i wonder if it symbolized some of the souls that have been eaten by the building 
Yeah, and I, I initially thought that they were black crows when I first saw them, but it was revealed that they were starlings. I don't, I'm not, I don't know much about starlings. Do you, do you guys? I, I don't know anything about starlings. I'm just going to make an educated guess that starlings are not evil birds, and I think that's the juxtaposition. I'm not quite sure mm-hmm. if they're bad, because at the end of the day, I still don't think that Nona is bad. So given the fact that she said they belong to the Drake and that they protect the Drake, I still am not 100% on whether or not the Drake, the Drake, the building in of itself is 100% evil. Again, I think it would be mm-hmm. very easy for them to have been crows. We all know that crows are bad. Right. We all know or, or symbolic, we, th- we think of them as bad. We all know that ravens are bad. Starlings, just in the very name of the, of the word, <laughs> it makes you think more of a, of a nice yeah. Bird, something that's that's very harmless, as well as the fact that when Gavin said leave them there, no one would leave crows in a building. No one would leave ravens in a building. The reason you leave starlings is, again, because there's an underlying premise that they're harmless. Right. I don't know what that means yet, but that would be my educated guess. Knowing nothing but just from the from the genealogy of the word itself. But here's my thing with that, because they were technically in Tony Barlow's room. They did mention that. So we saw last week that Tony gets sucked up into the wall. So I almost felt like the birds were some kind of like they they're part of the soul sucking in of the of the evilness Mm -hmm. that happens in particular rooms, because why would they show Gavin in that next scene afterwards with the birds kind of silhouetting in front of his his apartment building? It just seemed to me like it was still all part of his umbrella of evilness. Now, I understand why. Okay, if the birds were there and they've been there for a hundred years or fifty years, and they're not causing any problems, then I think you would leave them there because it's like if it's not broken, you know, you don't have to fix it. By trying to fix it, you may cause bigger problems. Right. So that's why I think they're there. Just leave them there. Well, and I also thought maybe they were playing off a little bit of the old Alfred Hitchcock movie. So, and those birds were clearly evil. So, <laughs> but again, they're not the same types of birds, and I think that True. must have been deliberate. And it obviously, even earlier on in the episode, she makes a reference to the birds, right. the Alfred Hitchcock movie, by saying, you know, that oh, it was very Tipper, and I can't remember the character's last name. So again, I think there was a very specific reason that the birds were not, in fact, ravens or crows. And again, I think that even though it's it's so easy because of the name of the show, 666 Park Avenue. I think it's very, e- it's very easy given the nature of Gavin's character, but I still contend there has to be layers. And he's, there's no way that he is 100% evil. That would make the show too flat. Arguably. Agreed. So I'm, I'm not quite sold on the fact that it's, it's, a, it's a cut and dry. He is evil. He is the devil. The entire Drake is evil. I'm not buying it. Tippy Hedren. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, good points. You, you all have good points. But still, w- w- later on, we see that the exterminator leaves the bar. And he's, you know, a little tipsy. Um, and he's walking down the street. He sees the birds. And the birds start to attack him. Yeah. So if they're not evil... Why are they attacking the exterminator? Yeah, I agree with you. I think the whole the way they they flew up and like encircled him almost as if he yeah. was God above yeah. the top of the building. It was very like a powerful scene. So that's where I th- thought felt got the feeling too. Like this is all part of his orchestration, and he wants the yeah. birds kept in there because they're still part of his evilness. Yeah, there. and I and I personally felt that maybe that's why they showed Gavin at that beginning scene because he's controlling these birds to do a portion of his evil. So. So then what is that evil? Because why why would he alert Jane to the birds? If, in fact, he controls them, they've been there for hundreds of years, right? So presumably he would have told them to stay in. Then if, if in fact, Gavin controls them, what's the reason that he not only wanted them to leave, number one, two, for Jane to see them, three, for the Terminator to die? But Gavin said to leave them there. So did he? Correct. Yeah. So if How did he alert Jane to them, though? Because he's the one who let them out of the wall. If, in fact, just like you guys say, if he's controlling the birds, right? Because if, he, if he's controlling the birds, then the birds would have never left the wall. 
Because they they broke through from the wall. No, they didn't break through. She, they never broke she, through. She, she opened, opened up the wall okay. and then they broke out. Okay. Right. So my feeling okay. is that they he you know it's she almost like she opened them. up some black wall. Yeah. Okay. And and they had the opportunity okay. to go out. Hey guys, I looked up what's the the bird that you guys are talking about. Thank you. And here's some information on it. Yay. Ooh. Okay, so we're gonna read this. Okay, my eyes are really bad. So who has better eyes than me? Because I can't really see that. Starlings are messengers from the spirit realms. They actually, sorry, it is hard to read. I <laughs> they actually are a, a wake oh, up, wait. wake up call, and Better reminder writer. that changes and situations are coming. Usually for the better. They signal the end of one cycle and the beginning of a new one. Mm-hmm. All right, Sophia. So you may have something there. You might be right. Hmm. I, I well, maybe there's like, like some type of fifty-fifty here. Like no, evil. it's not. No, yeah, but it, again, again, I don't necessarily think. I think we need to be very careful of the word evil because at the end of the day, to me, and I think we'll get to a little bit later. The only thing in this episode that I've seen that was evil was how Gavin played Danielle. For Everything sure. else mm-hmm. has been free will. And at the end of the day, that isn't evil. Evil is when someone makes you do something against your will. Simply because you make a conscious choice to do something and the outcome may, in fact, be bad, that's on you. That's technically what makes human beings human beings, right? right. And that's what makes us not animals is because we have free will, which is different than how, and we'll talk about it a little bit later, but different how Gavin manipulated Danielle. And in essence, even that's why she said, like, I didn't kill him. That, to me, is evil. Because she he put situations in motion that he knew that she didn't have the free will to stop herself. Other than possibly, yes, the bird's attacking the terminator the 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 yeah the yeah, ter- whatever yeah. but exterminator. again exterminator thank you i was like no Arnold terminator <laughs> like, oh, like, anyways um that'd be but, a um, that right but again again and this is going to be i'm going to take a, a leap here but technically he was like i'm going to kill them so arguably in just pure animal kingdom that's self-defense so at the end of the day he said he's going to kill the birds and all the birds did was defend themselves i know i'm taking a leap there arguably is simply self-defense yeah. they're they're just protecting themselves I see that i think there is also other evil though because uh, you said everything is free will but not really he's also setting up brian and he clearly is setting him yeah. up with the temptation i mean w- w- if you continue to tempt somebody and tempt somebody that that is evil you know he's he keeps trying to butt into his his relationship and his marriage and you know has the girl in his bathroom while he's showering. Yes. So he Poor guy. Always, always I feel so other. sorry for that guy. <laughs> for Brian. Yeah, what well, guy could say no to that? Well, Jesus. that's actually a nice little safe way. So we see Brian <laughs> in this particular scene. It starts off uh, with Brian visiting Louise in the hospital because we saw last week that she had a, a nice little accident in the elevator where it slammed into her head several times. So she's in the <laughs> she's in the hospital. Tried to eat her. <laughs> Tried to eat her a little bit. Um, so she's in the hospital. Brian's visiting her and who pops up, Miss Sexy Alexis. I know that some people don't think she's sexy in this room, which we'll get into, I'm sure, a little bit in this conversation. But she pops up and she, you know, Brian's there. He's helping out his his wife, Louise. And Alexis shows up and she gives him a nice little hand moment where she rubs his hand in a very uncomfortable place for him. And then we see him later on. He's at his desk and he's doing some work and he opens up his window and he he sees that Alexis is, is around across the street again in her underwear, her Victoria's Secrets underwear. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, no, no, he doesn't see her. He well, he opened no, up the no, curtain. No, no, no. The first time he opens up, there was she wasn't oh, you're there. Right. She wasn't there. Okay. And then the second time, the curtains open up by exactly. themselves, exactly. and then he just, sees her, yeah. and then he sees her in the sh- um, bathroom. You know, you, yeah. see, you know, you know, her that's shell. not what I recall. That's not what I recall, but I think I'm, I'm off. Her I, shell, uh, her outside is very sexy and very beautiful, but her insides are as ugly and dark as the dark night with evil birds pecking at somebody. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, and then and we have the third scene, which I'll throw in really quick and then we can discuss it, is that he gets out the shower and he's. You know, gets out the shower and she's there and appears in the apartment building. So this Alexis, I know that we we had this conversation a little bit before. I think that she's sexy and she's a great temptation character for Brian. Um, and he's feeding right into it, obviously, because Louise seems to be a little bit of a ball breaker. But what are your opinions about Alexis in tonight's episode? Is that the <laughs> silence means that you don't like her? <laughs> 
I don't. I I like her. I I think she, I think she's. I mean, I don't like what she's doing. I mean, right. as a character, like I think she's sexy. I think she's a good, you know, temptress. Um, she's evil, evil, and I hate what she's doing. But I think she's doing a good job at it. <laughs> Sophia, you have, what do you what are you thinking? Um, I I just think that I would have preferred for it to to have built a little bit more. Regardless of whether or not um, Louise is a ball buster, I think that that makes me not connect with Brian. And I think that in order for us to kind of really connect with these characters and feel that they are being manipulated by the Drake and or by Gavin, I need to feel for them. All I've seen is he has a wife who is the primary breadwinner who allows him to sit at home to become potentially this famous writer, but at the end of the day, he has yet to perform. She gets, like, almost dies in an elevator, is at the hospital, and her only concern is getting back to work. Why? Because they have bills to pay. And his comment is, oh, well, don't you still have that one one job left? He didn't say, okay, babe, well, let me call my parents. Hey, babe, let me talk to Gavin. Hey, babe, let me, like, go and write an article for The New Yorker and maybe get a couple hundred bucks so that we can pay the rent. All he says is, oh, well, don't you have this other job that you can do when you get out of the hospital? It it, it seems a little bit flat to me, as well as the fact that if they had just pulled it out a little bit more, like I needed one more thing for her to do directly to him as a husband and wife couple for then when Alexis comes in for him not for that when they connect for me to go, okay, I see it. Other than the fact that you just have this cute blonde obviously coming at you and coming at, an, at you in a way that obviously can basically take away your, your lifeline of financial stability, wherein she touches his hand in front of his wife, that's disrespectful. Well, yeah. But. So, so at the end of the day, so what happens when he, he gets caught? His ass gets booted. So as long as he's willing to deal with that, cool. But to me, the angst has, isn't there. The tension isn't there enough for me to really hate Louise enough to feel like he was justified or even that it was enough of a temptation. So yeah. a girl in New York shows you her underwear and smiles at you a little bit and comes and rubs your hand and then shows up in your house. You don't think like, you know, fatal attraction. Like you don't think any of those things that something seems a little off. I'm not. I'm not buying it. I'm like, going to say that a guy, I'm I'm say that guy thinks differently. Sorry, JJ, you go ahead. No, and I and I do think that he did think things were a little off because right. he kind of when she had the key, he was like, "Wait, did you get those from our apartment?" And then she's like, "Oh yeah," and she gives the keys back to puts it back on her um, on Louise. Um, so I think he started. You know, was. I mean, I think he was a guy. I mean, I think he's tracking, like, something's right. off and something's wrong, but then all of a sudden he has this hot chick, and he's like, oh, yeah, okay, maybe I'll kiss her. Yeah. You know, and I, I, I do agree that they maybe need to develop us not liking Louise as much, because I know a little bit in the first episode, I, I didn't like the way she spoke to him, and I didn't like her, like, you know, coming down on him a lot. Just And to me, it seems like she's probably the one that wants to live that lifestyle and live in that place, and, and she seemed a little more superficial and wants to be in this, um, you know, in the designer world whereas he probably would be happier with a simpler life like riding somewhere so that, that was my Such take on the relationship. Such an appropriate word, riding. You said riding somewhere. <laughs> yeah, riding somewhere. Yeah. Oh, riding somewhere. I, I, oh, I didn't say riding. <laughs> I didn't say riding somewhere. I was like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Riding somewhere. I'm like, yeah, that's riding. very appropriate when it comes to Alexis. Uh, no, yeah, no, jokes aside. But no, I, I agree. I, I just still think that we got a little bit of, in the first episode, which, which she sort of, you know, was a ball buster a little bit to him. So I think that we'll find out a little bit more as the character develops or their their relationship develops in the in the season. But from what I saw at the beginning, it's the backstory to me seems like there might be something that is he's not being fulfilled by her. And that's why he's so open to these other temptations by Alexis. But he wasn't completely open. I mean, he's tried to fight her off a little bit. And it's not like he's pursued her. He started closing the curtains and not wanting to even look at her. And he's like, well, don't touch my hand. But uh, I will say, like, men and women are so different, you know, completely, completely yeah. different. Like, our genealogy, like, everything about us is so different. And if you're going to have a naked woman come in your bathroom when you only have a towel wrapped around you as a man, like, that man doesn't have a shot when a woman looks like that. Yeah. And that's just the way <laughs> yeah, it is. Like, it's true. just a physical thing. Yeah. I feel sorry for you guys. You can't help it. Yeah. <laughs> They're like well, dogs. They got to go peeing on all the fire hydrants. I don't know. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't even know how to follow up like, on yeah. that one. I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's kind of true. But speaking of men and women, this is a perfect safe way to go into iTunes and rate and comment because we like male and female ratings. Uh, we love to hear what you have to say about the show. We This is our second episode, obviously, and we love watching and seeing what you guys say about the show uh, please go tell a friend tell your family member to download some of our previous episodes we have about uh, 50 shows that are running this summer or excuse me this fall uh, summer fall fall right now we have scandal we have dexter we have revolution married to jonas uh, walking dead honey boo boo whatever you want to <laughs> see we got it so please go to itunes Download the shows, rate and comment, because we definitely read all that information and try and make a better show for you. So definitely do that for us. And thank you for the comments that you already put together for us for 666. All right. So let's go into Jane. Jane had some nice little visions tonight. So we see her. They go to the party, correct, for for Gavin. And she and, and Henry are, are in the bed. And, and she decides – no, wait. I'm sorry. She decides to do some laundry Correct. She's, she realizes she forgot the she laundry. She realizes she downstairs. forgets the laundry downstairs. Mm-hmm. She goes down to do the laundry. And so we think. Mm-hmm. And we see the scene of her down in the basement. And she enters the separate room at the actual uh, basement area, the laundry room. And it's a guy laying there dead. And his name we saw was uh, Edward Paxton. So. She sees Edward. He seems to be shot a couple times laying down on the floor. And the scene kind of jumps back into her being back in the bed. And she wakes up and realizes that she doesn't know if this is real reality or if this was a dream. And she's talking to Henry a little bit about it. And then we notice that on the floor is her laundry that's all folded up, correct? Mm -hmm. And we don't know what's reality and what isn't. So Jane clearly has some type of... I want to say psychic powers, it seems to be, that she maybe doesn't know that she has or she doesn't know how to utilize them. What do you guys think about that, that particular scene? Like, what, what, was, what was going through your mind when she actually woke up that morning? Do you think it was reality or do you think it was just a vision? She's clearly somewhat of a clairvoyant. Um, but, you know, it's like watching this show, it's so good. But at the same time, it's so close. It's like it's just a beat away from being cheesy and a beat away from being unbelievable and a beat away from being great. So it's well said. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Take it away. No, no. Well said. Well said. It could go either way. And it's just so early. Like it's it's hard. Like like I'm vying for it to come through. But at the same time, like, really, did they have to, you know, almost like push that feeling of, you know, the music or whatever at those moments. It's like you have a smart audience. We're not dumb when we're watching this show. We don't need you to uh, make it cheesy for us. I but- agree. And what, what, what do you think was cheesy in that in that realm? What's, what was cheesy? I mean, I think there are two main points that were cheesy. I think that I like the fact that Jane's character kind of doesn't have fear. There's a difference between not being afraid versus being silly or being reckless. I think that she's not recognizing, and again, I don't remember the exact number, but this is an absolutely huge apartment building that seems like it almost is like a quarter of a block in New York, Mm -hmm. right? As well as the age, like, you don't know what could be down there. Like, there literally could be people living in between the walls or in the tunnels, so forth and so on. So the fact that even let's just for a split second say that that it wasn't a vision, that it was real, the fact that she walks through the door or I'm somehow not buying that, right? And then the realism of it, and then when she wakes up, I actually didn't like the fact that the laundry was folded. I think we didn't need that because it's almost like they're telling us, oh, it may be real, it may not be. I think we were already thinking that. Like when she woke up, we were already wondering, okay, did that really happen or was it just a vision? And or is there some realm right in between reality and a, mm-hmm. and a dream? Showing it, oh. showing the laundry, it's it's almost it's it's point it's taking us there without allowing our brain to go there. I mm-hmm. think it's always more powerful, just like you said, when you have an educated audience, for us to go there 
and wonder versus giving us that last piece makes it like, okay, like, so what now it's real? Cause she had her laundry, but because then you said so, you said so, mm-hmm. because then that doesn't make sense either because right. she went in there, hadn't gotten her laundry yet. And then what is she going to do? See the dead body and then go and then pick up her laundry and then go back. <laughs> like, do you, you know what I mean? It's, right. it's, it's then becomes a little bit too disjointed, but if they had just ended it with her waking up, that I think would have been good. Without the laundry. Without the laundry. It's just, it's that one step too much. Don't, don't finish it for me. Let my brain finish it to keep me anticipated for the next scene to then have my brain keep working throughout the remainder of the episode. I I can understand that. I I mean, I like the fact that they are, are, are giving us a little bit in the sense of not knowing what's reality and what is. I mean, we even saw last week that when she woke up out of the bed, she had the dirt on the bottom of her Mm -hmm. feet and we didn't know. Did she really go down to the basement or was this all a dream? You know, I think that as the the season unveils, we'll find out a little bit more about that as well. But I agree with you. I mean, I think that they, they may have given us a little bit too much information and, and took away from our mystery. Yeah, I don't mind the laundry part. I mean, because it does make me think, because I actually enjoyed the, having her dirty feet last time, because yeah. then it wasn't like just visions for me. It was like, oh, wait, she's <laughs> actually up and walking around, like trying to figure out how they're trying to explain that. It got me trying to think about that. But I'm with you on, there's just something a little bit cheesy with the always, you know, like you said, going down there. I mean, I didn't even go to my garage in Nebraska at night alone, you know? <laughs> without being scared and, like, running in and running back. So it's like, right. this girl is just, oh, yeah, Henry, you sleep. No, I'd be like, Henry, come on, you know? Absolutely. So that, that's a little tough to, to believe every time, I think. Where do you think the, de- the relationship's going to develop between her and Nora? Nona, excuse me, because Nona, obviously, they have a similar mm-hmm. something going on. I mean, Nona, uh, we saw that she, at the beginning, told her to stay away from the birds. And then we also see later on that Nona slips the note underneath her, her mm-hmm. door, or the newspaper piece uh, from the 1950s, I believe, um, in reference to um, Edward Paxton and, and about his murder. Mm-hmm. So what, what do you think that their relationship is? Like, where do you think it's going to go from here? I mean, I'm, I'm hoping to see a lot more. Um, Nona's still a mystery to me because she kind of dips in and out. But what do you guys think about I see them kind of teaming up later on down the road, Um, you know, when it gets when maybe um, when Henry maybe starts to be pulled more to the other side. I think maybe she'll lean on Nona more to kind of be in her corner and help. You know, I don't know what they'll figure out through their visions, you know, together. But I don't know. I see those two teaming up. Michelle, I kind of agree with you. I agree as well. Um, and and the reason I agree is because even though we don't know the entire backstory, I think that uh, that JJ mentioned either last episode or the previous episode that she lives there with her grandma, but obviously her grandma's not around. Yeah, I was going to say who we haven't seen. Right. Um, and presumably she feels like she's stuck there. And I think that she also feels like that she's stuck with her gift. Right. So I think that she and just even I think not to to call anyone out, but when we were watching, I think someone said, oh, she's kind of creepy. Yeah. I think that's a normal um, that's a normal assertion whenever someone's different than everybody else. Mm-hmm. And I think that what she is, is I think that she sees things that other people either don't see or uh, that what other people choose not to acknowledge. Mm-hmm. And I think that she has learned very quickly to keep those thoughts to herself. I think that because she has some connection with Jane, she feels like she has to say something to Jane. That's why if you notice every time she says something after she says it, she she looks uncomfortable like she didn't want to say it. But she couldn't help herself Mm -hmm. because she had to presumably do what's right. So even in so much as she said previous episode, someone's stealing – She's telling her, um, you know, she said, be careful of the birds. And then she immediately goes into the elevator. Again, I think that she she is trying to protect Jane because she connects with her. And again, I think that's why she made the the last episode, the the comment regarding the necklace. And I think we're going to see that again and again, that she holds herself in. And that's why she's a mystery, because she doesn't want anyone to know what she knows. But somehow her connection with Jane, she feels like she has to protect Jane. Well, it's funny. In that scene, I remember, I think it was either Michelle or or you, Sophia, that you guys thought that she was actually delivering the necklace back to Jane. Oh, completely. I I did, too. I thought so, too. Yeah, I mean, I was hoping that it, w- it would explain a little bit more. I hope they don't leave that portion out because they only covered it the first episode. But I hope that they speak a little bit more about what that symbolizes. Well, well go ahead. Oh, and I think I, it's it's kind of obvious what it symbolizes. I think that she needs a piece, something that's connected to you in order to see what's going to happen. Okay. That's yeah. what I was just, yeah. Yeah. 
So even what you can, yeah, with the rabbit's foot, mm-hmm. I think, I think she sees, she almost knows what's, what's um, important to you. And that's why she takes it so that she can then feel potentially what's going to happen. Yeah. And I think at some point, um, Jane is going to find all these things that she's collected. And then that's when the two of them will have to get closer because mm-hmm. she's going to confront her. Like, why do you have my necklace? Why do you have all these things yeah. that went missing? That's a good point. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I do have a question. Maybe you guys can answer this for me. I, if Gavin knows everything or most of the things that are going on in the hotel, how come he's not how, – how come he hasn't put up basically a hit on Nona? I mean, she clearly has a lot of information. Why do you think that he's not doing anything against her? Because he has to know that she's talking to Jane. He has to. Mm. And I totally mm. disagree with you. Why? I totally disagree with you. I think you are – you are overestimating Gavin's potential or Gavin's hold. So mm. arguably – and I think, and I and I and I need to watch the episodes again. But I think that there are at least one or two of the units that were rent controlled, and I could totally be wrong. But presumably, I think there's a reason we haven't seen the grandma. So whether or not, I, I don't think every single tenant is under Gavin's hold. That's number one. Number two. How do we even say this? Um, That's th- why Gavin needs other people. Ex- thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah, but he's still even even when he's utilizing other people, he knows what's going on. But he doesn't because that's why people have to tell him. Even in so much as the last episode, it was um, Henry who had to tell him that that Jane was looking into the history of the building. Um, You know what I mean? Like I don't. don't, He's not all knowing. Like I'm not trying to be funny. He's not God. (laughs) Right. Like let's be very clear about that. He's not God. (laughs) Right. So I definitely agree. Like I think that's why he needs people, or else he'd just do it all himself. He would literally do this. You're dead. No, see, I'm, I'm no, not trying true. to be funny, no, but right. even with the Alperin guy or whoever, he wouldn't need other people to do his bidding. He would just, yeah, snap his fingers okay. and it would all be done and he'd live in whatever paradise he wanted to live in and that would be it. Yeah. Right. It would make it too flat. I, I hear you. I just uh, had that question because I just, I, I see that he knows a lot and why wouldn't he know that she's giving these tips to Jane and why wouldn't he want to cut that tip off? Sometimes kids are just not touchable, I think, in the whole spirit world. Like, you know, it's just you can't tap into them yet or whatever. There's some kind of block or maybe she's more protected. But also he didn't know that she, that Jane was messing around with the crows or starlings or whatever you want to call it. And that's going on right under his own roof. That's true. So there's only so much mind power. That Gavin really has. Yeah. That's true. That's a good point. Um, we were also introduced to a new character tonight, Danielle Taylor, who seemed to have a lot of uh, interaction with with Gavin as well as Olivia. We saw him we saw him uh, setting up her setting her up on Actually, a Actually, can we back up? Sure. The initial introduction was at the party. Right. Remember? And I think it's very important. So there's an interaction. She is, is the first time we see her, she's having a conversation with Henry. Then Jane comes up and she immediately goes, oh, is this your lovely wife? They then have that moment where, again, you know, as always, they have to explain that, yes, she's lovely, but that's not that's they're not, in fact, married. And Danielle makes a reference to, oh, well, be careful. You need to you know what I mean? Someone's going to snatch him up. Right. That she is did. a very mm-hmm. passive, aggressive um, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, it's like a threat. Like you don't, you don't say that to someone about someone's boyfriend. Like you say, Oh my God, you guys are a really lovely couple. I hope you guys get married one day, which is very different than be careful. Cause someone's going to snatch him away. That is, that is a <laughs> yeah. passive aggressive. That's a little dig. bit of a different that's a passive aggressive oh, dig. That's, that's, that's the first part. <laughs> Number two, then obviously that's where we see Gavin come over and Gavin, they have the conversation about, um, you know, are you here with someone? She goes, do you mean a date? No, I'm by myself. He says, that's hard to believe. And then basically she goes, it's not for lack of trying. And then he says, um, the, the end goal of love makes the pursuit of it worth it. Right. And then you can then go to the next scene. And then I we, think yeah. that ties back in. Yeah, no, that's good. No, th- thank you for that. No, mm-hmm. we, and then we see uh, Danielle, who is hanging out with Olivia. They, they seem to, I don't know if they were, I don't remember if they were going to shop. Sorry, but. hold on, back up. Okay. <laughs> My bad. And then basically she mentions that I have a date. <laughs> well, sorry, like, it needs to be in sequence. But then, you know, he mentions, she mentions, but I do have a date tomorrow. He then goes, okay, well, cool. I'm going to recommend a restaurant for you. I'm going to take care of it. It's very romantic. She then goes to that restaurant, gets stood up. 
Gavin, you know, obviously is there as the savior and says, oh, I have someone for you to meet and introduces her to someone. Right. They then have a couple of drinks and then presumably because they have a date the next night, that's when her and Olivia bump into Jane and they're going shopping for that date for the guy that she got introduced to via Gavin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then we see her go on the date, and uh, we end up finding out the date goes well. But we end up finding out later that after they have slept together, that he actually is married, and she goes a little crazy, we'll say. Um, and she realizes that afterwards that all these visions start to kind of take place. We see that this has happened to her before, and, and with the I'll jump in on the married thing because she did say, "Well, no, you didn't. You didn't have a ring on." And he's like, "Yeah, I did." And I looked, and she, he didn't. He so didn't. clearly, Gavin set it up with him not having a ring on, and then for to her control to, like, her, yes, to control her, and then have her be crushed later. So we see it's something very similar to the character that we had mentioned before, Edward Paxton, who ended up being her husband from the 1950s, who was the murdered person who Jane found in the extra secret room in the laundry room. So, we've, yeah, extra secret <laughs> extra room. Secret. Extra secret room. So Danielle actually is this, like, Black Widow character because then we all these things unfold about her that she's killed several men. And it seems to be the same pattern for her, and obviously Gavin has played the, the key role in that. And then we see sort of at the end of that scene that she actually is this seeming like a 70-year-old woman who he clearly is giving her almost I don't some formula to keep her young to keep her killing certain individuals under his spell. What did you guys mm-hmm. think about that tonight in this, in that particular scene? Nothing, I'm- I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I think I mean, I think that's also the part where this is when I can say that I think that he's evil because I think that there was a manipulation, like even in so much as she was like, I, but I didn't do this. Like when she when she had the, the knife in her hand, like and even though obviously there are times when people black out, but it's almost as if there's some pre-recording and I think there are not pre-recording, but she can't help herself because obviously because she's made this deal with him, it has to play itself out that way. So all he has to do is basically put a man in a position to sleep with her and then try to leave and and, she'll kill and it him. and it literally triggers yeah. something um but i think that the most important part is is that this was the guy the Alpern guy that was Frank I think his name was Frank Alpern that was the deal that he had just shown um, to um, Henry you know the sky rise that he was going to buy for a steal for a hundred right. million dollars and so forth and so on so so I think that it wasn't just that this is a deal with the devil it's that he he puts certain people in place to, to do it all his um, as well as the fact that I think it's also it's that emotional manipulation where he had to take her back to all of those other killings and you know repeat the names again and again and again um, and then obviously as she walks out obviously it's almost like it wipes the, the slate clean and she starts again because again it goes back to that initial quote that he says about the journey for love and she goes oh I feel like I've heard that heard before, that before. Yeah. I hope you're right so it's it's almost like every single time she starts anew yeah but for what purpose? I don't know. She seems she seems extremely desperate and a sad individual. So I'm not quite sure what the bargain was. Well, that's I, what I was going to say. That I didn't really catch what the bar- complete bargain was for her. Yeah, I didn't get what she was getting. Is it love? Right. Is you it know, just but I think that that that's, love? That's, I you think know. that's what she's in search for, and that she was crushed so much by she was in love with uh, her first husband, and just was like heartbroken that he did this. And then I think so now she's constantly on this quest to try to find true love again. And he just, I think for her, that's that's all he has to do to manipulate her. Yeah, just give that promise. Yeah, and then we also saw that I, I thought music played a, a heavy role in tonight's show. I mean, we, we opened up the show with Patsy Klein, which I think you were singing a little bit before Michelle. <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you think that they handpick certain songs to symbolize certain certain moments in within the particular scenes? And why the Pap- Patsy Klein song? I think that the, the choices in music are to um, manipulate our brains basically for the, the time reference or the time frames that these things are happening in modern time today or, you know, back in the 50s or whenever it happened. You yeah. know, I think that's what the deal is with the music. Yeah, well, they did a good mm-hmm. job tonight because I definitely felt that kind of feeling. I'm the, I guess <laughs> I'm the troublemaker. I agree. 80% of the music was spot on. Like even the flamingos in the, when she was in the secret laundry room. Mm -hmm. But I think there are moments specifically, I think it was, I think in the restaurant with Gavin, I think any time other than Patsy Cline, they have Gavin and they have music and the music's evil. 
don't do that. Well, that's it's, what we were saying earlier. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's forced. It's too forced. I think Gavin's presence, and I think that um, Terry O'Quinn, I think his character is such a a dominant persona. For sure. I don't think I don't think he needs the music. I think if anything, it would be better if they had a juxtaposition. Right. Yeah. That would actually freak me out if it was something a little bit more playful, something a little bit more um, almost witty. Mm, thank you. Yeah. Almost opposite of the mood that exactly. they're pushing on you. I, I would agree with that. That because exactly. when he's the most evil is just. When he gives that little smirk, you know, that he gives. So exactly. He doesn't have to do much. He's Mm -hmm. a great actor. He's an amazing actor. Yeah. Yeah. Don't push it in our faces. Exactly. Yeah. But it definitely seemed to play a a key part tonight. So Mm -hmm. we'll see what they bring on the next episodes. So now we also have, um, obviously when we're speaking about Gavin, he still has his eye on Henry. And that's obviously is his primary focus. We saw even at the beginning, the, the scene opened up with uh, Gavin going to the front desk, speaking with Tony, getting some mail. He turns around. Henry's coming out of the elevator. And that look that he gave Henry mm. when he walked past him was just like it almost like he wanted to eat him up. You know, <laughs> It was so intense. So I, I, I see that obviously we're saying that all his manipulation is to get Henry back and and and. I'm hoping that they really develop more that that relationship of how he's going to get Henry and and how he's going to put him under his wing. Now, what do you think that Gavin's role is with taking Henry under his wing? Do you think that he wants him to, we talked about last week, kind of be his second man in charge? Or is it something bigger than that? Because I'm almost starting to think it's something even more sinister than just being his right-hand person. Like, do you think that he wants to have him kill someone in particular or be his second-hand man? I think. Well, go ahead, go ahead. No, please. Well, I, I've been trying to play with this to yeah, figure it out, like, but the only thing you tapped on something there for me is because I, I didn't catch it because it was in the trailer, but he says, Henry says it's his goal to work for a guy. He yeah, just said the name. He at the did. End of the he was like councilman. Yeah. Yeah. He, I think I have. Bill, he wants to be Bill Edwards' chief of staff. Yeah. So, yeah, I think maybe there's something big with. Um, he, uh, that Gavin really wants to go after this guy for, so he maybe he wants him in there for a bigger plan. I, I agree with you. I think it is bigger than than just being the second hand in, yeah. in the Drake to try to do you know dirty work. I think he definitely has a clear goal in mind. He seems to have an eye on him somebody. differently than he has an yeah. eye on everyone else that he's manipulated into doing whatever he wants. And I think that it is extremely important that he put him to a test and that he likes the fact that he's ethical. Mm-hmm. Right. So... You know, obviously he was fully aware that the building he was building was next to a wasteland. That's number one. But the the step right before that is obviously he brought him in for a reason. And even in so much as he was like, oh, you may have heard of it. Come on, dude. Like Henry worked for like the land commission or whoever he works for. Right. Like, again, you know what I mean? He's playing that like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm so coy. But he knew exactly what he was doing. And then the fact that, you know, Henry had the conversation with Jane and, you know, didn't do anything. And I actually was very amazed at that because I really thought that there there could there could have been several ways where you could have even have said like, oh my God, like, you know, that building was absolutely amazing. Like you should have Jane, you know, take a look at the surrounding land to make sure that the structure is sound. Like there, there, there could have been ways to lead right. Gavin mm-hmm. to the conclusion that there's that next door was a wasteland without quote unquote divulging confidential information that potentially could get you fired. So the fact that he didn't do anything, I was astounded at that, to to be honest. However, not only did did Olivia specifically say, he passed your little test. He passed your test. She did say that. And then she Mm -hmm. goes, he's a Boy Scout, and he goes, he has ethics, and that's hard to come by. And that made him want him even more. And he also said, he'll be my hero. He'll be my hero. Which is... I mean, that I so I think that there's definitely something that he wants him for, but I think it's his goodness. That's what he likes, because even again, from the very, very beginning, when he was about to push them out, when he said he didn't want them because they basically were amateurs. Again, it wasn't it wasn't um, Henry who stood up. And not right, to bring true. back the whole lawyer thing, yeah. but Henry's the lawyer and Jane's architect. So presumably in a negotiation situation of a dominant person, it should have been Henry who stood up. It should have been Henry who was like, oh, well, no, well, we are qualified because of this, this, and this, and this. He always defers to Jane. Jane's a more accomplished one. Jane's the one who knows history of the building. Jane this, Jane that, Jane this. And obviously Jane has stood up to Gavin in the most subtle of ways. Yeah. 
Gavin is the naive one, or sorry, uh, Henry. Henry is the naive one, and there's something about his ethical morality that makes Gavin want him even more. Yeah. Which would also make sense if it is that he's going to go after something politically, yeah. because if he wants somebody with strong morals and ethics on his side, then, you know, that kind of makes sense. Yeah. I, I can't wait to find out because mm-hmm. I, last week I had a different opinion of what I have this week with it. You know, last week, I, like I was saying, I just thought it was just, oh, he wants him for his second in command kind of person. But now I just feel like it's something more sinister that he has in, in mm-hmm. line for him. Well, sometimes the guiltiest criminals, you know, they go out there and they get the best and most efficient and the cleanest cut attorneys because then that gives them a better image. Right. And and I feel like that's what's going on. But what I love about this show is that with everything that we're talking about, it's like there's no one answer. Like yep. it, this true. show makes you think so much because there's multiple choices of, you know, what he could be after him for or, yeah. you know, why, you know, just so many things with like each character and like as the story, you know. Unfolds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. All mm-hmm. right. Well, how about we move into some news and gossip now? After Buzz TV News. All right. Well, this is what I have. Um, I uh, uh, Rachel Taylor was doing an interview, and she mentioned that Whoopi Goldberg would be guest starring on 666 sometime this season. So we're excited about that. She didn't give a lot about what her character would be doing, but she did say that Whoopi would be guest starring. So... I love Whoopi, so I can't wait to see her. Maybe That's a really ghost cool. reprisal. Maybe a ghost reprisal. <laughs> that would be really cool. Yeah, I hope it's something that really would be sinister. Too easy. We're being silly. <laughs> I know, yeah. No, I, I hope it's something really sinister, and she plays like some completely dark character that we've never seen her play before. You know, we've seen the ghost, so we'll see. So uh, I also have six 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 on the the ratings from last week. The prelim- preliminary re- national ratings six 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 came in at number nine, uh, right after American Dad and above The Mentalist, which was the last one on the top ten. Six 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 came in at seven point zero viewers, which wasn't too bad. V- very strong, two point two in eighteen to forty nine uh, category, but we're you know hoping that the numbers increase versus decrease in the next couple of weeks because we have seen that also they were saying that the the ratings for the show as far as like the polls were saying that they it was just averaging out so we're hoping that in the next couple of weeks they're going to get a little bit larger with the episodes um that's sad to me it's yeah, yeah it's I, such I like a good yeah, show it's a good show it's a good show, and I'm hoping that, that, that something will change for us. So, but also um, Vanessa Williams and um, the te- Vanessa Williams and the team have been doing a lot of interviews. So we're, I think she's supposed she's scheduled to be on ABC sometime soon to give a little sneak preview of a couple of the episodes that are coming out. So we'll have to catch that and make sure that we find out what her sneak preview scoop is. All right, so let's move into some predictions. Oh, we don't have predictions music anymore. That's right. Oh, we're just redid. I was like, wait a minute. Where's the predictions music? You're after Buzz TV. Predictions. I don't know what my predictions are quite yet. Um... I, I'm still thinking, but I, I, I actually, the only thing I can say is that I think Nona is going to play such a more significant part in this series as far as, not just with Jane, I think that we're, I think she's going to actually be revealed to be this higher power that we don't even know yet with her. I think that she's, she has a lot more power than what we've seen. So that's, that's my prediction. What about you, Michelle? My prediction is something completely off the chart of what you're talking about. It's that... I feel like ABC in some senses has hurt this show by giving it the title that they did. I feel like that okay. is definitely at one point in time will come out that people chose not to watch the show just because of the title. That's what I predict. Okay. I'm going to slightly piggyback off of that prediction. I completely agree. And I think that because it's a little bit too in your face. And I think that the reason that we are so passionately talking about the show is that the writing is great. But I think that you have to let people go there. Don't, don't, don't tell me 
let my brain go there. So let me start thinking like, oh, it's 999 Park Avenue and let me see a little shadow. Let me see something and go, oh my God. And let me come to that potential conclusion. And when I say come to that conclusion, I mean like episode four, episode five, episode six, not one and two. Um, Because I think that keeps the viewer there. Um, But I'm hopeful that... Again, this is not a story of good and evil because that is too simple. That's not life. Like life exists in the layers that things aren't what they seem. And I still contend that Gavin is not 100% evil. Like we're trying to make him out to be in the fact that he's flat. Mm -hmm. Because again, people people are coming to him. He's offering something, but for the most part, he's simply giving them what they want. They have yet to think of what those ramifications are. And similar to what Michelle said last week, envy is a very bad thing. And you should never envy for something that doesn't belong to you. And no one's entitled to anything. And if you think you are, then you're entitled to everything that comes with that. And I think that's really the underpinning of this show. And I think if they stick with that... It's going to be amazing, but I think there's going to be have to there's going to have to be a moment where we're going to we're going to start to feel for Gavin. We have to, hmm. or else this show won't. You really you show think we'll, you think we we'll have, have some to. sympathy there, for Gavin? There has to be, or else there will be no layer to this show. It just doesn't make sense. You it, can't have a one dimensional from the very beginning evil character without it twisting that. ABC, again, and I have to do this, Scandal, Revenge, Once Upon a Time, even the new show Last Resort, like, their shows have layers. Grey's Anatomy, Private Practice, like, it's about the complexity of human nature and how much you think you're going to do something until you're faced with it. And just because of one misstep doesn't necessarily erase your whole character, right? But that can be a defining moment that you go another way for whatever reason. And I still from last episode when he bought the Drake, that was his deciding moment. But I still don't, I still, he's not hundred percent evil. That would just be too simple. And if it is, then I take it back. But then this show is going to go a completely different direction. Okay. I'm not going to cut into JJ's prediction, but I do have one statement to say about that. But don't you think all the other people around him are the people, he could be this evil person and all the other people around him, surrounding him will take on that role of just real quick, people. just real quick. Think about evil things that exist. Oh no, go okay. ahead. No, JJ, really? get, get oh, to your well, prediction. Well, That's um, rude. I think you guys were right. I think ABC needs to have to be careful with the, um, they would have called it 999. Uh, there would have been more watchers. Like they had good Christian bitches turned off a lot of people. Anyway, my I got to do my prediction fast and fine. Sorry, um, JJ. That's fine. I think, uh, um, I still think grandma's coming back. They brought her up at dinner again and they yeah. said, do I know this chef? They said, no, it's my grandma. Grandma might come back sometime too. And where can everybody be found really quick? You can find me at Miss Manizer uh, on Twitter. Um, Twitter, Sophia Stanley. Uh, at JJ Jorgens. At Daryl Kristen. And please tune in next week for episode three of 666 Park Avenue. We love you guys. Don't forget to uh, go to iTunes and rate and comment for us. And we'll see you next week. From Bing.com, executive producers Maria Manunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.